As warrior dads, we got to tackle a lot of things, but tackling low testosterone levels should definitely not be one of them. Uh, we need to keep our testosterone at peak levels, and that is absolutely crucial for all of us. So I'm sure you know all the horrible things associated with low T levels. If you don't, it's definitely not pretty. Uh, it's Google search away. But unfortunately, testosterone levels in men have been consistently decreasing over the last two decades. And it's actually one of the biggest conversations I have to have when working with men, which is why I decided to create the Warrior Dads Testosterone Booster Guide and Checklist. It's a free download. And all you have to do is go to checklist.warriordads.com. Uh, just download it, start, start implementing it, and start to feel the difference. So again, go to checklist.warriordads.com and get your free copy now. Being a dad isn't always easy, but it's the best thing I ever did. I'm constantly improving myself to be the best dad I can be through fitness, nutrition, mindset, and lifestyle. As fathers, we pass on many things to our children, such as our mindset, our habits, our attitude, and what we've learned along the way. Each of these will shape who our children are and who they will become. The Warrior Dad's mission is to help you become the healthiest version of yourself, to hone your edge, and to live with purpose. My name is Jim Bartomey, and this is the Warrior Dad's Podcast. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in, back in for another episode of the Warrior Dad's Podcast. Today, I am proud to bring on Elliot Hulse. Um, Elliot has a... Uh, same, one of the same mentors as I have, Paul Check, who was on a previous episode, and Elliot has learned and worked very closely with Paul um, personally, so um, that's, a, that's a great honor. And he is, if you don't know who he is, I'm about to get into it, but he is a wealth of knowledge and inspiration, um, a mentor, uh, just, just so many different things. And I'm so, so happy, one, to have met him. Uh, a couple months ago at a conference that we were both at that he was actually speaking at and he so graciously uh, accepted the invitation to come on the warrior dads podcast. So I'm super grateful for that. So uh, let's get into it. Elliot Hulse is an internationally renowned strength and conditioning coach, strongman author, social media celebrity mentor, holistic life coach and inspiration to millions of people and a father of four amazing children sharing his message be the strongest version of yourself and inspire others with over 2.5 million viewers through his youtube channel called strength camp he made himself a name for unifying the development of the body and the mind elliot thanks so much for coming on man appreciate it it's my pleasure jim thanks for absolutely. having absolutely so i saw a uh I want, to, I want to start off with the fasting that you're doing, um, and then we're gonna and then we're gonna dive into the dad stuff. But I figured let's let's get through this and see how see how you you would recommend people incorporating this into their life. Um, because for anybody that knows you and and has seen your videos and how passionate you are about health and fitness, maybe this is a good way to start off um, for for them. So I just saw this picture on Instagram recently where you had gained this weight over a certain period of time, and now you are. I guess maybe quote unquote cutting or cutting back and you're on this five day fast. So I want to hear more about this because you and I did talk about fasting one day, two days, and then you, even, I think you even said like a week. And I'm like, damn, how does he even fast for a week? Um, so I want to hear more about this and I want, I want everybody else to hear about this too. So just uh, let's start off there. Well, my very first fast was 19 days back in about 2001. You started off with and a 19-day fast? 
Yeah, my very first fast was in yeah, uh, two. What I say, two thousand or nineteen? What? What I said, nineteen days oh, yeah. in two thousand and one. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, in 2001, because I was introduced to the Baha'i faith. Right. Well, no, I, I was and... just surprised about the number 19, because I'm thinking, all right, well, people are going to start off with a fast. They'll probably start off with a day or three days or something like that. And you're, and here you are crushing it at 19 days. <laughs> well, there are many different types of fast. Mm-hmm. The Baha'i fast is a sunup to sundown fast. So it's a dry fast from uh, when the sun rises, you stop eating, you stop drinking uh, until sundown. So that was for 19 days. And so no water. No water as long as the sun is up. Wow. And then what did you do when the sun went down? Drink water, eat food. Water, eat food. Feet, fast and feast. Right. Fast and feast. Fast and feast. Okay. Mm-hmm. And how did that to pattern interrupt? And how did that work for you? It was amazing. Transformed my life. Uh first with my body. And I don't want to say first, but in congruence with my soul. I changed as a person, you know, I had been playing football. I was, uh, you know, I was learning the profession of strength and conditioning. I had been eating three meals a day plus protein shakes uh, <laughs> for years. Mm-hmm. I was huge. I was strong. And when I fasted for those 19 days, uh, my body transformed very quickly. You know, I, start, I got much leaner. And uh, cleaner. Nice. Because you and a part of the go ahead. And the part of the cleanerness, the is also clarity. And I had a new, profound sense of clarity in my life that I didn't that I was looking for. I was striving for. And so you know, I said there's physical and metaphysical gains. There's gains of the body, and my body changed, and it, it sent me down a roller coaster of physical changes. Uh, an exploration into my life. Um, but then also, like I said, the, the, the soul aspect of it, that's why I went into it. I went into it full, full, with full faith that this was the right thing to do because I'm a religious guy and I was into the religion and I wanted to do it. It was like a challenge also. And so that was my first experience with fasting. And I did that 19 days every year for well, quite a few years, maybe about five or six years until I moved to Florida and I discovered strongman and I became a professional strongman. And as a strongman, I needed food all the time. At least so I thought I did. Mm-hmm. And so the fasting stopped. And so, you know, uh, I went back to my old ways and I was eating and I grew up to like 250 pounds at my heaviest and I was winning trophies. And then YouTube started to take off and I wanted a way to be appealing on camera around 2012, I guess, 13, it started where people began noticing me and I wanted to get lean again. And I had stopped strongman training. I had stopped competing in strongman at that point because uh, I had torn my bicep. And so I started fasting again and I started to get the body that I wanted again, that I knew I could have because I experienced it when I was, you know, much when I, a few years earlier when I was doing the Baha'i fast. Mm-hmm. And it worked, and I created workout programs with uh, fasting in it. Lean Hybrid Muscle was my first ebook that people, you know, they did really well. And there was one day of fasting in it. And people freaked out because at the time, we weren't as aware scientifically of the benefits of fasting yet, but it was just coming out 
I was reading guys like Ori Hoffmeckler uh, and Brad Pilon. And so I, I stuck an inter- I stuck one day in there. It was Wednesday. You just don't eat until dinner time. It wasn't even like an overnight or, or a nomad, I like to call it, where you have no meal a day. So then I was experiencing the benefits. I was sharing the benefits. And things were going well around 2015. I had a crisis of self, you could say, where I wasn't sure if, you know, I just needed some time away. I needed some time away from the camera and things. I needed some time to develop and understand deeper parts of myself. I like to say my inner beta sometimes. And God called me to fasting again, but this time prolonged fasting. That means no food and sometimes no water uh, for what I call UMADs, days upon days upon days. So these past nine months or so, I had been doing various uh, prolonged stints of prolonged fasting, three day, five day, and then I, 10 day was my longest, which was right before my birthday. The month before my birthday, I chose to do, I wanted to do 40 days. <laughs> <laughs> 40 days of fasting. <laughs> because check it out, because the beginning of, uh, my birthday is April 10th. And so March 1st to April 10th was exactly 40 days. And I thought it was like a sign. I got to try it. So I, you know, I'm a, I'm a big thinker. I'm an extremist. And so I was getting ready to do that, uh, preparing myself. And I made it 10 days. And then I continued with the, you know, I, I could talk about that. But that was my first attempt at going indefinitely without having a, a timeline. And well, you saw the picture. That was what my body looked like uh, right about my leanest when it said 168 pounds. Mm-hmm. And I look like, I look like a skeleton. I, I look at it now and I realize like how much of myself I let go. But then the picture next to it is uh, like closer to today, which is, uh, I guess that's April, May, June. What did I say? Like two months? Two months ago. Fuck, yeah. two months. And I gained, I gained 40 pounds. I gained 40 pounds. Yeah. You know, because there's a fat boy living inside. Yeah, as you say in the post. I mean, for and for anyone listening who doesn't know the post, I mean, definitely go check out Elliot Hulse on Instagram. And but he just posted this a day ago, and you could see the before and after picture, and it's it's amazing. I mean, but you still, I mean, you don't look bad, right? I mean, you just look a little bit more, you know, puffy, and a little, a little you know, a little bit bigger. But uh, I mean, you still have oblique definition, and you know, you're still big, and and you still look way better than most of the people out there today anyway. So, um, <laughs> so when you're talking about this 10 day fast, you're still talking about the sunrise to sundown thing, right? So you're still eating at nighttime, right? No. Okay. So oh, no, I'm going to give you some, no, it, that was what I called you mad fasting. So listen, there's OMAD, right? This is, this is just terminology that helps me keep it yeah. straight. OMAD means you're eating at least one meal a day. It means you're if you're breaking fast at night, you know, sun up, sun down, whatever that, that's OMAD. That's one meal a day, basically. Okay. Anything w- with that. Uh, nomad means no meals a day. It means you go to bed, no food. Okay. Right. And that's where most people just, that's where the fear is broken. Uh-huh. So it's a nomad. And then I say you mad because people ask me if I'm mad when I do it. But <laughs> you go... 
three days, five days, 10 day extended fast from absolutely from food, uh, water if you choose or intermittently with water, some people do. Um, yeah, and so that's when you at when we talk about the 10 day fast, you're, we're talking about you mad fasting. I'm not eating for 10 days. I think it's something like 300 hours, something like that. Wow. So it's just so it's just water though. Yeah, just water. Water. Water with salts in it for the electrolytes. Okay. Yeah. The minerals. Wow. So what day so is, is today day 2 or 3? Day, day 3. Day 3. How's it going? You don't sound mad to me. <laughs> no, I'm doing well. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Are a lot of people jumping on this challenge with you? Yeah, so the challenge that I put out to everyone is to just get started. Really, that it, I, you know, my, it, I'm just encouraging you to try it. And so I have something called the five-day fasting challenge. And before you think about five days of fasting, I just want you to work with one nomad. Just if you start today, say, I'm going to go home. I'm going to stop eating. I'm, I'm going to go to bed without eating. So going one day, one day and night. You know, there are millions of children that go to bed every night with no food in their belly. My father was one of them. He grew up in Belize. And there were times you just wouldn't eat because there was nothing. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I know that if there's any fear around going to bed one night without eating, it's all emotional and it's all irrational and it's ridiculous. And it's a part of what keeps us stuck in this consumption society and matrix. So there's a lot of different reasons why it's a good idea just to try that first nomad. Absolutely. Right. So you go that way, you break fast on the next day, you have a meal and then you prepare yourself for the next three days. So now you get, you know, so we'll go from, uh, breaking fast on Tuesday to then extending your fast until Friday evening. You can celebrate with your friends and have a great meal that evening. So that's your, you know, that's your introduction to prolonged fasting. And from there, a lot of, you know, a lot of things open up for you and there's a lot of opportunity there to continue if you'd like to do that. What is your favorite meal to like, you know, use as a, when you're breaking a fast or you're around your friends or your family or something like that, what is, what's one of your go-tos? Oh, ribeye and, and eggs. Oh, yeah. Eggs, steak and eggs, steak and eggs. Yeah. Love me some steak and eggs. I like salad. I like, like fresh, cool vegetables. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, so like salads and stuff like that. Nice. Those are my favorite things. Uh, if I'm cheating, I'm having a cheat meal meat, basically like what I did that for the two months that got me back to where I was. I was eating cheeseburgers. <laughs> I love cheeseburgers. <laughs> Man, we I took my family on vacation. I gained most of that weight in the in like the 10 days we were on vacation. And one of the things we did was I took my my kids, we were in Maine. No, we were in New York, upstate New York first. And I, we went hiking. Me and my wife like hiking because we go on vacation. I like to get in nature and I like to exercise. Mm-hmm. So we found this mountain and we, we hiked with, with the kids all the way to the top of the mountain. It was amazing. It was great. I mean, it's monumental. I had to hike with my kids at the top of the mountain. But then when we came down, you know, everybody was proud. It was cool. And then we came down and there was this little restaurant that had uh, local grass-fed beef 
burgers. And I had to have that as a treat. Yeah, absolutely. And I, yeah, big ass double cheeseburger and a beer. <laughs> 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 nice. Dude, one of the things that fasting has done was heal a lot of things in me that allow me to do that now. For quite a few years, I was suffering from skin conditions, inflammation in my skin, particularly when I would have sugar, absolutely when I have beer. And so it got so bad that I developed it on my scalp as a form of psoriasis, and I had really bad dandruff, so I shaved my head, and my scalp has been healing. And it's looking a lot better than it did. Maybe when you saw him, you could see it was like peeling. It was like, oh, something going on with the guy's head. I'm healing. This, and so my, it doesn't do that anymore. It's, it's getting better. I don't, I don't have as many rashes and itches. I'm not scratching all the fucking time like I would if I had a beer. Mm-hmm. So I knew that I'd been healing because I've been fasting. So when I was on this vacation, I said, fuck it, give me beer. <laughs> and boom, scratching. I had no reaction. Oh, you had no reaction. No, oh, that's awesome. No, nothing. Because I'm healing, bro. That's what fasting does. That's why you want to get into prolonged fasting. That's one of the benefits. That's the main reason why I got into it this time around. You know, it's, I want to see the result. And fasting has shown me the result. Plus, you know, you know, you talked about your dad, how he came from Belize. And I was really honored to hear your dad speak at the conference we were both at. And so, but you think and you go even farther back than your dad's days and you go back in the more primitive, primitive civilization and you hear people talk about like today, you hear people talk about, well, you know, you got to have six meals a day to keep your metabolism going. You got to do this. You got to do that. And, you know, constantly, constantly, constantly having something. And I'm thinking to myself, like, that's not how people used to eat. If you think about it, you know, like back in back in the day, like way back in the day. And so they, they were fasting. They were going prolonged periods of time with maybe just having, you know, whatever they might have found on some trees when they or bush, some bushes that they came across. Or, you know, if they if they had a dry spell for a hunt and they weren't able to have anything, what were they going to do? You know, so I, I, I love the idea, I, you know, and I, I I do very intuitive eating where I don't give myself food for a certain amount of time if I don't feel like I need to. And, you know, I don't eat till three o'clock it's not sun sundown, but it's definitely a great challenge. I love that. But you said something earlier that was intriguing and you said you thought you had to eat a lot of food and drink the protein shakes while doing strongman. And I understand you're getting back into strongman at the age of 40. So how is fasting incorporate it into your strongman training now and i'm assuming you are probably incorporating the two because you said you thought you needed to do it a certain way so what have you found out and how's your strongman training changed since you really embraced fasting well first i like to say that i'm an extremist and so i go really extreme in many directions in my life and one was with the consumption and the lifting and getting fucking huge. Like I took that to the extreme. Mm -hmm. And then to see where I'm at with the fasting, I just don't freaking eat. And I spent quite a few years just doing yoga. I don't speak too much about that right now because I'm really excited about the fasting. But these past three years, people have been asking me about yoga because I've been doing more yoga than strongman training. So I went extreme in the yin direction, you know, 
And so running the spectrum here now at my 40th year, going into the second half of my life, close to it, uh, I get to integrate. I get to integrate all the extremeness that I've experienced in my life. And one of that, one of those is being big, strong, beefy, and honoring my body through fasting and recovery work. You see these things that are biohacks even uh, that are becoming very popular these days. So if you want specifics, number one, I would say, I would tell you, I'd warn you that I'm just at the beginning of this journey. I'm, I'm figuring it out. Uh -huh. And so what's happening right now is I've got 10 weeks until the strongman, strength camp, strongman challenge. I'm going back into strongman training. I got 10 weeks. And prior to me deciding to get back into competition through the strength camp challenge, uh, I made a promise that I would fast for five days when, upon returning from vacation with my family because I knew what I was going to do. I was going to have burgers and beer and I was going to come home. I was going to fast again. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Yeah. So awesome. uh, I decided to it, just bring in, bring everybody else along with me. I had been making YouTube videos again and uh, I'd be, I'd be doing it. So I created a, you know, a little opportunity for everyone to get involved by calling it the five day uh, challenge, the five day uh, fasting challenge. Nice. And so that we're, that's where we're, we're in the middle of right now. And if you want to do it, you can always go back to my YouTube videos that I made earlier this week, last week uh, and start at day one. Yeah. yeah. Nice. All right, let's switch gears a little bit. I want to I want to talk about I want to talk about some of the things you got to talk about at the conference and you know if if somebody logs on, you know, even while they're listening to this and they start scrolling through some of your Instagram stuff, they'll start seeing uh some videos that you're doing labeled, you know, the laws of being a man. Um why men fail at finding love, uh, you know, just, you know, men are not women, all this stuff. Right. So <laughs> I, I want to go there. I want to, I want to know what, you know, if you can give people just a glimpse of what your childhood was like, you know, maybe like a, a one minute summary or something like that and what, and how you have taken that and either taken what worked and discarded the rest um, completely revamped it and made it your own and, and something completely different. But I'd love you to give people a glimpse into that, into your past and into your present as to what you're doing right now. And, and we'll build upon from there because we gotta, we gotta address this, uh, this topic of, of man and then tying it into the father. Right. Absolutely. And so the, the, the type of relationship that we had when we were children with our parents color a lot of our experience and then we come to consciousness when we have our own and some decisions need to be made about what we're bringing with us and what we're letting go mm -hmm. of and uh it's it's not an easy process because you really end up having to look deeply into yourself and so when i was a when i was younger you know i grew up like the rest of us i grew up like here in america uh in american schools with mostly women teaching. My father worked, uh, my mother was there during the day. She worked at night and I also had an auntie. And so, you know, I was the oldest of three boys uh, living in a mostly 
feminine dominated education world, right? I mean, as we all do, most of our teachers are, are women. And although my, my father was there and he was very active and he was very, he was very supportive. He was very disciplined also too. And he was even like tough. Like my dad's kind of like an old school, tough father that we don't get too many of those anymore. And so my consciousness, I discovered later in life, all of this, that, uh, that I resented my father. I, I knew I resented my father. We fought a lot when I was younger and I didn't like his boundaries. I didn't like his, his wanting to discipline me and tell me what to do. Uh-huh. Uh, so there was that, and that's adolescence. That, that, I understand that. I see it in my children. I see it in my daughter, especially my oldest daughter right now. It's like coming back to me, <laughs> back at, at me. Right. <laughs> right. But then the relationship to the mother and to women was still very immature also. They're both immature ways to, to relate to our parents because they relate to how they'll, they'll color how we experience sexual polarity and you know, masculinity and femininity in our, in our lives. And so we all have karma. You know, we all have, have karma and experiences with, with our parents. Um, with, with me and my mother, you know, one of the things that colored that was that I married early. I married my 14-year-old girlfriend. Like, we started dating when we were 14. And <laughs> uh, we got married at, like 23. And we started having children, 24. And I grew up very quickly. And a part of the reason why I married her was because she was basically mentored by my mother in the home. She taught her how to cook, how to clean, how to take care of a a family and a husband. And, you know, this is all in retrospect, but I see how, you know, uh, even my relationship with my wife, as they always say, you know, that we choose people, partners that remind us of the parents of the opposite sex. And so there's karma, like I said before, and it's associated with this primal uh, need for separation from the world of the mother and material world and society and uh, a movement that is supposed to happen, particularly in a young man's life at the right around the age of 14, 13, 14 years old, uh, a movement towards or an atonement with the world of the father. And this is the world of boundaries that I resisted so much when I was a kid. And it makes sense that about the age of 14, me and my father wrestled, you know, not physically. Sometimes we'll get close. <laughs> yeah. He, at that point, he didn't, he didn't, wouldn't really hit me anymore. That's, I think the last one I got was probably about 12. Okay. <laughs> and he wasn't, a, he, wasn't, he didn't beat me, but he was physically aggressive and, you know, and sometimes it hurt. Right. Right. So this is this is my which lacks a lot today, right? Sounds... That, that lacks in today's world, and I'm not necessarily saying that it needs to make a comeback, but I think that there could be a time and a place for for something like that, right? Like, and not and and not, of course, yes. condoning abuse or anything like that, but just having that strong. I mean, hearing your dad talk, I was, anybody that listens to him talk, I mean, he's a very strong, passionate man, and. I think there's so much need for that. I mean, I think that kids need that structure and even though they resist it, they'll appreciate it in life because it's giving them yes. what they need, not what they want. So you're not being the friend that they want. Um, 
you're give, you're being the parent that they need and they, they don't even know that they need that because they're not even at that level of consciousness net to know intellectually that they need it, but their higher self knows that they need it because that's why they realize it later on in life. Yeah. They could either realize it or they don't. Hopefully they realize it. And that has everything to do with atonement with the father for both young men and, and women. Mm-hmm. And so how many of us have that experience? You know, that's not the case. Not for, I'd say, 99% of us. You know, even the toughest tough guys. Don't say nothing but my mama. First thing I'm going to tell you. <laughs> right? Yeah. right? Yep. And, and you ask a lot of men. I work with a lot of young men. They have so much hate and resentment towards their fathers. He wasn't there. He was an alcoholic. He beat my mother. Or, but whatever, whatever angry sentiment they have towards their father keeps them separate from themselves and the eternal father from god the father mm-hmm. from the sense of purpose and meaning in life and so it's a it's a it's a critical wound that our ancestors understood was inherently there in the male psyche and needed to be tended to and that's why they had rites of passage and ritual initiation and things of this nature so that we, we could relate rightly in our adulthood to the experiences that we had when we were children by making a separation from the world of the mother, material world, society, where men were then, young men were then taken out into the woods where they could be broken down and built back up in a, in a, in a dignified way and then come back, to, come back into society. As their rite of passage. As a rite of passage. I mean, that's the gist of it. Right. It's a, a, a movement away from the mother. And the mother is everything that re- is represented by everything that is matter. Everything that's in the material world, even material matter, mother. It's all of the sensual essence of life. <clears throat> Money, hoes, and clothes. <laughs> right. right. It's all these things. Mm-hmm. And so you got to get away from mommy, which is money, hoes, and clothes this need for safety and security and sustenance and sensuality and that's important because sensuality is 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 needed for us to experience our sexuality in an appropriate way and how many young men do we have addicted to porn yeah they don't know how to relate to their sexuality appropriately yeah i've been hearing more and more about that or seeing seeing uh people talk about that, you know, being other people being addicted to porn. I guess I never really thought about it until I started, you know, hearing some people talk about it, but. uh... Right. It's how the world keeps us addicted to the mother. It's one of the things that keeps us addicted and that sex and promiscuity and our licentious perverted culture, Mm -hmm. sexually perverted culture. So it's all mommy shit. It's all mommy issues. And there is no father in the world because for what held the father for us was religion. Hmm. and we got to a religion through the father because there were actual fathers there in the home. And so when you ask me how things are different between when I was young and the experience I had and where I am in raising and teaching my children and the millions of young men that uh, look to me for guidance, Mm -hmm. I have to mention that I've healed that wound on my own. I've been initiated. I've done lots of deep, dark initiation work with mentors, 
and uh, and of course on my own, even through fasting, as a part mm-hmm. of it. What are you doing with your own kids? Are you are you have you or you plan to incorporate any modern rites of passage or you know something that you've been inspired uh, to implement in their lives? So what you need to know is that I grew up as the oldest of boys and my sister was the youngest. And I grew up in a neighborhood of boys and I was the king of boys. I still kind of am. <laughs> and <laughs> I've got daughter, 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 <laughs> and a son. Yeah. I got two female cats and my wife in this house. So I get to learn a whole different ball game with girls. And, I, and I'm so grateful for my uh, experience of healing, my experience with the feminine, my inner feminine, my anima. And so uh, one of the things that really woke me up to how men are to be with women, but also to the nature of the feminine and the little women in my home was the red pill, Rolo Tomasi's book. The Rational Male oh. kind of initiated me in some of, the, some of the knowledge, some of the wisdom, some of the old traditions that you know, aren't, aren't so prevalent any longer because we've got what he calls a gynocentric world where women are, it's actually a matriarch we live in. We don't live in a patriarch, that's the craziest thing. It only looks like men are in charge. That's interesting. So, yeah, so now I've got daughters and my daughters are doing well. I've got one daughter who is, uh, she's beautiful. She's got long legs and she plays the ukulele and she's really good at soccer and she's sings and she's talented in all kinds of ways. And I'm, I, I love her with all my heart and I gotta make sure she don't have the long legs hanging out all the time. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right, because there is wisdom in that in modesty, in chastity. And we live in a world that teaches women that their value is found in their, in the way they look, their boobies and their titties and looking, look, looking pretty. But these women these days have no value beyond that because that's what men are looking for and that's what they've been taught is needed. Well, they're, we've, we, our sexuality has been turned against us in so many different ways. But anyways, knowing that, the wisdom of that, and wanting to be a nice daddy. I want to love my daughters. I don't want any problems. I don't want any struggles. I just want them to be great. Uh, you got to step in with the, with the sword and the shield. And you got to make, un, make them unhappy. Mm-hmm. And they're little, you know, they're little girls. This is important stuff you know, if you, if you have, have daughters. Because then you, we also have dating, right? I made it very clear to my children, so all, all of them, there's no boyfriend or girlfriend stuff until after age 16. And for some of them, that may be too early. And some of them might be too late. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so setting up boundaries like, like that. Um, I can continue, but so I had to learn how to now integrate that part of my father that I didn't like. Remember I told you before I was healed, I had resentment towards authority. Mm-hmm. And I still had children at the time. I, I'm really just coming into a lot of this now, maybe the past year. Uh, 
So by being able to, to come home to my father, I was able to take on his power in the home and in my life because I accept authority. And to be an author in life is to be an authority and you have to have a, a healthy relationship with authority. And in our culture, in the West, where we're so addicted to sensuality and YOLO lifestyle, nobody wants to hear about boundaries. Nobody wants to hear about discipline. Nobody wants to hear the word obedience. I, I used that word obedience in a video the other day and I had to preface it or afterwards I said that we have these bad feelings towards authority and obedience in the West, but that's, what, that's a part of what keeps us living right and getting the most out of life. And so uh, I experienced more of that in myself through this healing, the way I live my life, even the fasting. And then I also am empowered to be that alpha male. That's really what it mm -hmm. is. Alpha male, leader in the home. And be the bad guy. My father used to say this all the time. He would say, you're just going to have to hate me. <laughs> I love you and this is why I'm doing it but it's okay if you hate me I'm the bad guy he used to sound just like Scarface and uh, Al Pacino in the movie yeah. he, I'm the bad guy you know why they make guys like me Yeah. so you go point at him and say that's the bad guy my dad would say I'm the bad guy and I like saying that now I had a hard time because my dad was saying it and I was Still a beta. But I can be the bad guy in my home with so much love that I'm, I'm willing to be hated. And you got to be that kind of stoic, strong, determined, loving father to be an authority and to be a righteous ruler, a king. So what is your what is your advice for someone who's listening to this is inspired by these words maybe right in this moment realizes that they're not doing that what was one thing that maybe you implemented in your life and had to get over or what's one thing that they can start doing right now to embrace that and implement that Well as I've been explaining and in the way one of my mentors says it, you've got to forgive your mother and come home to your father. This is inner stuff. You know, it's not about what to do out there. Mm -hmm. It's about going through the healing process that was due to us when we were younger, but we never received. That keeps us locked up in the karma of our parents, mm -hmm. the experience we had with our parents. And it's loaded with emotion, especially those who, are those who say, oh, I don't care. They're the ones that are, are most detached from the pain in their body. So there needs to be a formal uh, forgiveness of the mother. And this is Jesse Lee Peterson who says, so go to your mother and forgive her. Your mother fucked you up. All our mothers fucked us up. They can't help it especially in the West, where we live, where there's so much animosity and hatred uh, towards men. She can't help it. Whatever it is that happened to you, the most atrocious thing, but go to her and look at her and tell her you forgive her. 
that is that separation that has been always needed that never happened to us that keeps us trapped of always trying to get more mommy more titty from the world all our addiction to money hoes and clothes it's a it's an inner conflict that can be resolved by forgiving your mother stepping away from your mother have no more of that inappropriate beta male relationship with the mother be it you want to save her you want to be there for her She's your confidant. Your mother shouldn't be your fucking confidant. I listen to some guys and they're like, their mother is their best friend. And they got wives. That's dumb. You got to get away from your mama. That's number one. You want to have the righteous mind to be led and to be a king. And number two, atonement with the father. That word atonement is more than forgiveness. It's get in touch with, attune with, get in tune with the father. And you have an earthly father who, by virtue of being earthly, with physical flesh, blood and boners, he's going to be flawed. Right? I mean, that's even a part of the gift. Uh-huh. What makes us unique and awesome are our flaws. And he's going to be flawed. And you can find, even if he's perfect, because I've met young men who resent their fathers because their life was too perfect. Really? Yes. This, trust me. The, if the perversions come in a myriad of different ways because the world pits us against our fathers. But anyway, if we can come to know our fathers, we also heal the relationship with our inner father, our inner Arthur, authority, king. And that in many religious traditions is referred to as the father. God the Father, the pattern above, the fathers of the fathers of the fathers of the fathers. So if you remember that movie, The Lion King, when young Simba is lost in the jungle, right? Like so many of us. Uh And the old monkey, Rafiki, the old weirdo, comes and finds him and takes him up to the top of the mountain. And he points to to the sky and he says, look, it's not just you. And then his dad shows up in the sky and then his dad tells him, look, It's the kings of the past. And he sees like the grandfathers and he tells them, you're never alone. We're with you. You can do this. Go back to your kingdom and be a fucking king. Supported with, armed with the fathers, with God, with the eternal pattern. What a righteous way to step into the role of husband, and father in your own home. That's awesome. So how'd you do that with your dad? What's one thing that you did? Well, a lot of it has been inner work mm-hmm. and a coming home to him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, some of the outer things were, you know, I'd spend more time with him and uh, we went on vacation and things like that. Also in his midst to be, well, let me talk about the inner stuff because that's really where it's at. Uh, I would say that the a statement that holds the healing uh, most potently is that I realize that my father is me. I am my father. <laughs> that That is so profound in so many different ways. So when I see him, I can forgive him because I've forgiven myself. I've been forgiven. And I even laughed when I was young. 
he used to get on my nerves because we're both very much the same because I am my father. Mm-hmm. And I, would, I, I didn't like it. I resisted. And I would either shut down and be quiet uh, and just numb myself or I'd go away. I didn't want to be around him. But now, like Sunday, <laughs> we sat at the table and he just talked. And I sat there smiling and laughing and enjoying myself the entire time. And of course, you know, I've, I'm, I've grown past so many of the triggers that used to set me off about my father. And I, it would end up in argument. I see my brother doing it still. So why are you arguing with dad? <laughs> dad is a genius. Just be okay with it and just listen to him. You, just like every genius, he's going to say some things in a fucked up way because he's a fucked up man. He's, he, he can be an asshole. Mm-hmm. And he's aggressive. And he's everything that the beta male feminized world tells us is wrong about men. My dad is toxic. My dad is a toxic masculinity. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so as a kid, I grew up, they didn't have that term. But, you know, we were taught in schools how to be a good boy. My dad's not a good boy. Right. That's a part of it too, you know? So um, that, that's, that, you know, that's a part of where I'm at right now. And I'm blessed because of that. I have a father. And I, and I know the, the wound, the wound was that deep for me. I have so much compassion for those young men who have horrible relationships with their fathers or none at all. Mm-hmm. Or maybe ones who had like a really abusive relationship. Because then that puts them, I think, in a whole different light. Right. So, you know, one of the things Jesse Lee Peterson says is that we're we're healing. The, we're we're uh, I wish I could say it right, but basically, we're fixing the family by fixing the man. Mm-hmm. We're strengthening the family by strengthening the man. He's a he's a great guy. You should check him out, or anybody listen to this on on YouTube, Jesse Lee Peterson. And he's got a foundation called Bond, and that's what they do. They sh- sh- strengthening the man to strengthen the family, something like that. Nice. It was great. It was good stuff. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what I like that. I take that to heart because I, I realize that's the work, a big part of the work that I'm doing here in this lifetime. Yeah, that's beautiful, man. I love it. All right, I know we're coming up close to uh to our time so as i end every show uh we end the show with 10 questions and those questions are inspired by james lipton and bernard Pivot. and uh it is your turn to answer those 10 questions you ready brother yep all right who's your hero me what excites you me (laughs) what turns you off laziness sloppiness Hmm. what is your favorite sound i I was just about to say i was just about to break that silence and say i think i need to move on to the next question (laughs) loud and clear uh what is your least favorite sound I don't have one. There's this ringing that happens when there's uh, fluorescent lights on that irritates my wife. My wife has super hearing. 
and she hears like the electrical humming and buzzing everywhere you go with everything we do. And I never noticed any of these stupid sounds because I'm dense like that <laughs> until I married her. And I go into places now and I know she hears something. So then I hear shit and now I'm annoyed. <laughs> so, so your <laughs> wife gave you super hearing. <laughs> no, she taught me about annoying sounds. <laughs> uh, in a couple words... Oh, I, I went out. I went out of order. What is your favorite quote or saying? Mm. What you are speaks so loud that the world can't hear a word you're saying. Ralph Waldo Emerson. Wow, I like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, let me give you another mm-hmm. one. Every action is measured by the sentiment from which it proceeds. Emerson. I'm gonna have to put that in my pipe and smoke it. That's that's uh, that's pretty deep. In a couple words, what should a dad be? Alpha. In a couple words, what should a dad not be? Beta. Beta. If you could try any other profession, what do you think it would be? I used to like to watch the garbage man come up and pick up because they were strong and they always had on like cut off shirts. And I'd be sitting there as a kid, like laying in the, in the living room, looking out the window. They would just come up with their bulging muscles and they would grab those bags and they'd be tossing them in there. They just look like such tough guys. And so when I was a kid, that's what I wanted to be. Hmm. Maybe I'd try it out someday. And finally, what would you like to be remembered for? Lifting trash. Metaphorical trash. No, literal fucking trash. That's what strength camp came from. I trained people out the back of my van with trash, and that's where this whole journey began. I am a garbage man. That's why people know me. If you go on YouTube, you'll see me flipping tires and dragging old tires. Mm-hmm sandbags, big odd objects from junkyards. And, and so that's why I'm here today. So I am, I, I guess I just had a profound epiphany. I'm a garbage man. Garbage man. Nice. Elliot, tell everyone where they can find out a little bit more about you, connect with you, all that stuff. Any of your programs that you have running right now, uh, where can they find you at? YouTube, Elliot Hulse, Strength Camp, uh, Instagram at Elliot Hulse, ElliotHulse.com, E L L I O T T. That's how you spell Elliot H U L S E. Done. There's a different ring to that. You could turn that into a song. I heard it. <laughs> There's a rhythm there. Yep. Yep. Nice. The ringtone. Nice, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on the Warrior Dads podcast. I really appreciate your time. Love the message. Appreciate you. And uh, I wish you the best of luck with everything. Well, thank you very much. All right, man. Have a great one. Bye. Bye. Hey, guys. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Warrior Dads podcast. If you like this podcast and want to support it, please subscribe, leave comments, and share it with someone you think would benefit from listening as well. Thanks again, and keep on being a Warrior Dad.